as we get started though, let's consider who is today's child and what are the events that are forming them? Because it's different now than it was when we were children. It's different now than it was when my 17-year-old was a child in this age group. So um, we know that this is a time when gender fluidity is a thing. You can be what you want to be, right? This is this is what we talk about. And so it's re rejecting, our culture's rejecting the idea of creation design. Um, transhumanism, thinking that, you know what, science can help us live forever. We can, we can do this. We can just wear the right things, do the right things, and um, live forever, right? So it's kind of these lies that our children are swimming in. And us too, secularism, progress without God's presence. Believing this lie that we can have all the good things of the kingdom without the king. Um, and so uh, digital currency, I don't even know what that means, but I just know that it wasn't a thing <laughs> when we were children. And it means that this world is moving faster than ever. But our children are learning, I mean, in schools, about digital currency and what that is. Uh, worldwide connection, of course, you know, our technology allows us to have worldwide connection. Now the opportunities are endless for good and for bad. <laughs> um, digital natives, you know, our children, uh, my 17 year old, the iPhone came out when he was six. So I even had a friend, my friend Jennifer, who's, um, in a shepherding position over women on the women's shepherding team, called me this week. She was like, I don't understand these young moms today. She was like, they just don't feel like they have real community with others. She's like, we had so much community. We were at each other's houses all the time. She's like, why don't they do that anymore? I was like, well, they probably have a little bit, like they text people and they're on group threads, but maybe a little bit less in-person contact because you kind of have this false sense of community as a parent, we didn't even have that as an option. We had to go drive to, we had to read blogs. We are like, remember we read blogs? I mean, you know, we didn't have anything else. You had to sit at a computer to, to read about the, the information in the world. So um, that's just a funny story that as we were realizing, you know, we did have more community than a lot of young moms have today. Um, so hyper-individualism, uh, this of course goes against our covenant theology that um, says that we are to disciple our children within the framework of um, the family and the church family, working together, as Stephen said, to pass, to pass faith from one generation to the next. Um, in the covenant, God draws near to his people as a whole. And so um, it's communal. You're hearing just what our children are swimming in, what we're swimming in. And so it's no shocker that our children are confused. Our children today are confused and the church can be a place where we help them clear up some of that confusion, teach them what is true, tell them our stories. Um, okay, so who are today's parents? We already kind of alluded to it. You know, parents today um, have probably a little bit less community than I did when I was raising my first child. Uh, parents today are shell-shocked because they don't know what to do with all this. It's like, oh, yeah, what is all this? We didn't have all of this. Um, parents today are anxious. It's a very anxious culture we live in. We talk about the anxiety of our children, um, but it's, it's in us too as parents. Um, parents today outsource formation. You know, okay, that's the job of the Christian school. That's the job of the uh, church. You know, it's 
rather than taking ownership of the formation of our children. This is not everyone, of course, but I'm just speaking very generally and broadly. Parents uh, in the church today often didn't grow up in the church. I don't know, like, how many of you, well, I mean, maybe didn't grow up in a church, if you want to be honest about that. Yeah. So as I'm going around to churches in the PCA and I'm asking, so how many of you, like, they don't have a framework for discipling their children. They have to learn it first because they didn't grow up in, um, in the church. So if you have people that come visit your church and you're thinking, huh, they do things differently, they might not have been trained in what discipleship is. So that there needs to be more training on this. So way to go, church. Um, parents today are often burning out or numbing out. So Ooh, it's it's a you know it's a busy life and so are you burning out are you numbing out what what's what's what are our distractions um, and trying to keep up with the information overload so so much information available to us at all times what do we do with it because there's got to be an answer out there somewhere for discipling my child I just need to follow the right tool right I just need the right thing um, okay but let's talk about the positive also parents are the constant in their children's lives. So it is still like parents still have the most influence on their children. It's not the culture. It's not their friends. Parents are still the most influential voice um, to their children. And parents are called to steward that. So we have a role to steward um, the children in our homes. And so we get the opportunity to do that. I love the picture of... um, that uh, a man in our church uses of skiing. And I used to love to ski. And you want to be the first one out on the powder, right? Because you're making the first tracks in the snow. And so he likens that to the opportunity we get as parents to build those first tracks because those are the ones that go deepest. So whether it be talking about sex, whether it be talking about technology, whether it be whatever, you want to be the one to build those first tracks because they're the deepest. And your children, even if they don't, they don't let you know that they know it, <laughs> they've heard it from you because you're still the most important voice um, for your children. All right, so now let's talk about the church. What is the church? Okay, the best of the church, right? The best of the church is that we are um, a community of believers who can granted the gift of grace. And we know that. It's all grace. Um, the church is a refuge for the weary, a hospital for sinners. Parents coming in a hot mess, come on, you know, we're here for you. Um, The church is a place of discipleship and worship. The church calls believers to a life of denying self, taking up your cross and following him. Uh, The church tells the story of creation, fall, redemption, consummation, helping the the people of the church see their place in this story. And then there's the church, you know, and its weaknesses, because it is weak, um, because it's filled with fallen people, right? And so the church will fail people. Uh, One of my favorite baptisms at our church in Birmingham is uh, a pastor that, um, whose grandchild was being baptized at our church, but he's a pastor in another local church, came to do the baptism, and Ken Stewart was holding his grandchild, and he was just speaking straight to her. And he was like, baby girl, these people out here, after the vows and all the beautiful part, you know, he's like, they're going to fail you. They're going to fail you miserably. And so, but you've got Jesus 
And I was like weeping. I'm like, oh, that baby doesn't even know what you're saying, but it's true. And we know that because we know the church is going to fail, um, fail our people. Um, and I love this picture of a lifeguard. This is, I mean, I don't love it, actually. Uh, the churches can be like a lifeguard on their phone. <laughs> okay, distracted. Where does our church where does my church in Birmingham, your church here, where are we distracted by the things of the world, by the things that culture is swimming in, that we're saying we're the rescuer, but we're distracted and we're not paying attention. It's like we're just on our phone. Um, so as we kind of think about that, um, what does this mean for us? And I'd love to hear some ideas that y'all have. Like, as I just threw all that out at you, I mean, what are your thoughts? What does this mean for us as believers in the church? True. <laughs> it's kind of humbling to put it all in a nice little package, right, that goes with one slide. <laughs> yeah. So it means we can be humbled, and we can just, yeah, think maybe we don't have all the right answers. We need each other. Yeah. Yeah, there is a tension there. Of It's not up to me, but yet I do have a responsibility. To steward. Mm-hmm. It makes us parent out of fear when we do that. And it's this burden that we need to give to Jesus. Yeah. If you're in a classroom um, with children, that fear can look like, oh, I've got to get through the lesson. Kind of like the thing Stephen was talking about last night with those lesser targets that you aim for. Um, that's when the fear comes out in me in a classroom setting with children is, or you know, in a family discipleship moment, it's like, oh gosh, I've got, I mean, with Caleb right now about to launch, I'm like, I am telling him all the warnings rather than affirming the things that are true in him. And I'm like, oh, I've got to affirm more. You know, Brian, I've got to affirm the things that we see God doing in him um, rather than giving him all the warnings, you know, but it's, it's the fear that does, yeah, we got to trust God. We got to become pointers to the one true God. Um, pointing them to God, not ourselves and not our answers. Um, and I hope that you're just hearing like we are all covenant parents. And so um, I'm not totally sure what the culture here is. I love that there's a church where they call their volunteers, uh, their Sunday school teachers, covenant parents. So help each other out. Look at each other as covenant parents and be like, right, this is this this is not your parent, but this is a covenant parent. And so we listen to our covenant parents, and um, so be, be, be a covenant parent to the children in your church. And build relationships, because relationships are so important um, for children these days. They're not just going to listen to what you say. They're confused. They're swimming in that culture that we talked about. So look for places to build relationship, even if that's in the pew. Even if that's talking to a child sitting, I loved the woman last night talking about the college students sitting before and behind her, you know, and she's able to build those relationships with those students. Same thing with children. You have the opportunity to build relationships with these children that are even sitting around you, um, and that gives you opportunities to when you do get to tell them the stories, the mighty deeds of the Lord, they have a relationship with you, and they know that you're someone who could tell your story back to them and that you're someone who is willing to make eye contact and look beyond the lesson and, you know, all those things that, um, that we want to do as we 
present to the children and someone who's willing to listen. That's what actually children notice who listens to them rather than just talking to them. So um, listening to children talk about whatever is interesting to them is one of the easiest and best things you can do. Um, so tell them, tell them where you see God at work in them and listen to them. All right, I have some statistics. All right, so Barna, you know, Barna, our big research guy, right? He asked parents, thinking about your child and their experiences in your church, um, how true are the following things about them? If they have a meaningful relationship with one adult, just one adult in the church. Um, and you can see in the yes column, the children who have uh, a relationship with a safe relationship with an adult in the church um, have these experiences that are drawing them closer to the Lord just by having this, this relationship. They're grounded, more grounded in the life of the church. They enjoy intentional, safe, intergener intergenerational relationships, and they benefit greatly. And you see that the no's, of course, are much, um, much smaller. After this page in this book, uh, new children's ministry in a new reality, and there's just page after page after page of data like this of how, um, you know, this is true of children. This doesn't just happen. This has to be cultivated. Um, so look for ways that you can, again, it's that covenant parent mentality. Look for ways that you can help your children build bridges with other generations um, in your church. My son, uh, I love telling this story, when COVID happened, uh, he helped run sound. And he, when there were only 10 people allowed in the building, he was essential. My husband, the deacon, and me, the staff member, would drive him to church, <laughs> drop him off, go home and worship online. But he, as an eighth grader, was essential. And he had this relationship with Tyler, our um, tech guy, like you're Randall, like Randall, and um, who just invested in him. And now he's studying music technology at Belmont. He has his senior violin recital on Monday, and he's invited Tyler, and he's like, I don't want Tyler to run sound, Dad. I want you to do it so that Tyler can just sit and enjoy. I mean, you know, like he, he's had these people invest in him, um, and he knows it. And so... It's what has made um, church meaningful to him. And we have seen the Lord use those relationships to mentor him and disciple him. And we are thankful for that. Um, okay, so Deuteronomy 6 is the ever-used scripture, of course, <coughs> that just tells us very directly um, about discipling our children. Uh, in verse 6, it says, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. So very practically, we have Scripture telling us, Moses saying, In your house, when you walk, which for us is cars, which is why this is called road talk. <laughs> Um, you know, and the, he has more of these coming out and one's a bedtime, one's a mealtime. I mean, it's, it's this, okay? Um, and so we have very practical things to think about of how when we tell the stories of scripture over and over, they anchor all of us, us included. They shape us. We get to shape the worldviews of our children. 
um, and it's our role. And, you know, I could come and teach the children in your church, but I don't know their struggles. I don't know the culture that they're swimming in right here in Oxford. Um, you know your children. You are the best voice to be speaking into their lives because you know um, you know them. And please see this not as a to-do list, and it's not something to check off. It is to help them to love the Lord and to hear um, what the Lord has done in you and in others in Scripture um, and how he has carried his people through. I mean, he's carried those Israelites through. That is what Moses is saying. So we want to tell the children how the Lord has carried us um, and how the Lord carries his church. And then after that, um, a few verses down, I just love this because Moses is Moses knows. He knows that these Israelites often forget and grumble. I mean, all the things, right? So he says, And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you, to give you, you didn't get it, you didn't earn it, he gave it to you, with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of all good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, then take care lest you forget. Because you're going to forget, and I know that, but I'm going to remind you right now. Lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It is the Lord your God you shall fill, fear. Him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are around you. So I just love that, um, you know, God is shaping all of us. And as we are shaped by God's word, um, we're sanctified in it, and we are just helping hand that to our children. Um, okay, so my question to you now is, what are the barriers that we experience to this beautiful picture <laughs> that the Israelites also struggled with? So what are the barriers that we have? Yeah. Time. Energy. Yes. Resources. I don't have enough to give. Yes. Thank y'all for sharing. Yeah, it's, there are barriers. I mean, obviously Satan doesn't want this to happen. Um, there's capacity, resources, um, competence, just feeling like you know what you're doing. Um, so, this is where, I mean, CDM tries to help Elizabeth. I mean, you know, we, like the church tries to come around you with this, providing resources, but or just telling you, you know what, you have God's word. You have everything that, you know, is needed for a life of uh, obedience. And so just trust God's word and do what you can. This book, I will tell you more about since it's um, something I held up is like, this book, I'm reviving it. Um, if, if, you, if your children enjoy read-alouds, this is, my 13-year-old daughter is loving it. Ages 9 to 12 is what it says. Um, but it is a grandfather who is walking through the stories of Scripture with his two grandchildren, and it gives you the language. I feel like this is a great tool for families who might not be confident in the language, but you're just reading it aloud and he's doing it and he's walking from Genesis to Revelation telling the mighty deeds of the Lord to his grandchildren and so this is a beautiful story that I'm just like yes we need to be talking about this because um, yeah. so 
working on reviving that one. Um, all right. Any questions? Okay. Well, if we go back a little bit to, you know, a little bit in Scripture to Exodus, and we think about when Moses was a little bit younger, um, and God was getting ready to lead his people out of Egypt, in Exodus 12, this is just so convicting to me because they've just had the Passover. I mean, this was like, mon- this was huge, right? They've experienced the Passover. Um, and in, in Exodus 12, it's recounting the first Passover. In verses 26 and 27, I'm going to read this. It says, You shall observe this rite as a statute for you and for your sons forever. So he's just given instructions on how you're going to keep doing this, all right? This is important. And when you come to the land that the Lord will give you, as he has promised, you shall keep the service. And when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. For he passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians but spared our houses. And the people bowed their heads and worshipped. I just love this because I often think as a parent that if I just put my children in front of the means of grace, they're going to catch it. And that is a true statement. We want to push our children in front of the means of grace as much as possible. But we also have to tell them there is a role that we have to say it when they ask, why are we doing this? We need to have words for that. We need to be able to tell them the why of what we're doing. Um, So that's just something that has been convicting to me recently that um, I just wanted to share with you about how I put a camera up there because I'm like, my, my daughter's always like, can I see what's on Time Hop today? I mean, it's like she wants to see if you know what Time Hop is. It's an app that shows you what happened on your phone on that day every year. You know, so it goes back 10 years to be like, oh, that was when I was little. Oh, that was, she wants to see the stories of her growing up. She wants to see the stories of what was happening in our family. So th- it's like this reminder to me of every time she asks to see what's on Time Hop. Of, oh, what else can I tell her? What can I tell her about God's faithfulness on that day? What can I tell her about how God showed up? Um, so it's been a good tool for me when she wants to see Time Hop um, of, of just telling them God's works and reminding her of the, um, them true and looking for ways to tell her about God's story and scripture from our lives. Okay. Um, I know that that's not what cameras look like, by the way. <laughs> My child will be like, what is that? It needs to be an iPhone. Um, <laughs> so we're trusting the Lord, right, to do this. This cannot, this is not the burden that we shoulder. We are trusting the Lord for it. Um, so this is what we've already talked about, but I just wanted to, these three pictures I'm going to walk through. This is, this is prayer. I mean, we, prayer, again, this is my conviction, that if we just model for our children prayer, Independence on the Lord when they won't listen and they're like, we're not doing this right now. All right, dad's going to pray. I mean, you know, if we're just modeling this posture of reliance on the Lord, um, praying for the children, where are you as covenant parents in this church praying for the children in your church? Where are you praying with the children in your church? When you've got a full classroom and you don't have time to listen to everybody, where do you hear their struggles? And you can at least say, hey, I'm going to pray about that right now. Let's just pray. Or I'm going to pray for you this week. 
modeling for them the moments of prayer um, and modeling alignment with God to the children in your church. So that's just an encouragement that if nothing else, prayer and just showing them that we're not trying to do this in our own strength. I feel like it would be like gold. Um, so I put this picture up here. This is the, um, if y'all know this, do y'all know this? It's a, a, a painting that Scotty Smith in Franklin, Tennessee had um, an artist in his church commission, David Alms, I think. I'm supposed to have his name up there. Sorry. Sorry to an artist that knows that you're supposed to um, have that up there. But uh, it just is a painting that walks through creation, fall, redemption, consummation, and showing, look for opportunities. It could be, oh, my cereal spilled this morning. I know. I mean, we live in a fallen world. I mean, there are ordinary things. Like, you can take the stories that children tell you and help put it in this framework for them and just model for them, right, one day we're going to, what are we going to eat for breakfast in heaven? Our cereal's not going to spill. It's going to be amazing. I mean, you know, you can look for ordinary moments that they're telling you about to, to give them this framework, this larger framework of the gospel of, right, this is not the way it's supposed to be. Um, aren't we glad that Jesus came to redeem that and, you know, acknowledge that, God's plan is bigger. God's plan is bigger than cereal for breakfast. And aren't we glad um, that we had casseroles this morning? Um, and then the bucket. Okay, this bucket <laughs> might not mean anything to you, but to me in Birmingham, we have a counselor who talks about like roles and responsibilities and what's in your bucket. So we'll walk around and talk to each other. So I'm giving you a little Birmingham culture. We'll be like, mm, that's not my bucket. That means get out, get out, because you're only responsible <laughs> for what you are responsible for, right? Um, get out of God's bucket. You, he is, salvation belongs to the Lord. And so there are times that we just need to get out of God's bucket and move out of his way and trust him. So that's why there's a bucket there. I know that's kind of silly. Um, what are the opportunities? Again, y'all tell back to me, what are the opportunities, whether it be in the pew, in a classroom, whatever, that you have um, to model trust in the Lord and share God's story with the children in your church. So looking for opportunities to teach, looking for opportunities to volunteer, looking for opportunities to say hello to a child, get on their level, to listen, talk, learn. Have any of you ever asked a child to pray for you? Prayers of children are amazing. It was actually one of our missionaries that came to our church, and he was like, oh, put me with the children, and I want to tell them how to pray for me. And um, he was like, because the prayers of the children are mighty. And he um, was such a testimony to us. is like, oh, we're usually begging people to come talk to the children, you know. And um, so it's mutual. It's mutual relationships. Um where we're also not just saying, hey, we, we've got a, we got the corner market on the gospel. You know, we're here to share it with you. It's, we're doing life together, children. And so, anyways, um, look for those opportunities because they're not just the ones you would think about. Um, but you, you do have to be intentional um, to see them. Okay, so let's talk about bridging Sunday to Sunday. This is a very busy slide. But I wanted my little calendars, you know, Sunday to Sunday, and then you've got your bridge that's, that's bridging it. Um, 
because really, church and home in the world at, at large, it's, they're kind of stuck. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, you got that, right? Oh, you got that. And so it's kind of at a stalemate. And so we need the church and the home to work together to make progress um, in discipling our children. Um, you know, the church, most every church's mission statement says, we're here to support the parents and equipping and nurturing and discipling their children. Um, but the parents are like, ah, oh, we don't really have confidence in that, so we're going to drop them off with you. And so uh, it's got to be this team that's working together. Church and parents have to agree on the domain of faith formation being a communal project. <laughs> um, so bridging Sunday to Sunday, family worship. I mean, how, how many of you are cringing right now because you're like, okay, I'm going to feel shame. I, I mean, it's like this thing that we talk about that it's like, that's hard. Um, so we're just going to acknowledge the hard, all right, that this is a hard thing, um, that we do have barriers to this, busy, full lives. It's easy to get discouraged. So if you hear nothing else, the words I want you to hear are, start again, just start again. And then two months later, start again. You're just starting again. That's all we say. Hey, guys, we're going to start this again, you know, and it's no big deal. Let's just start again. Um, so first of all, let's broaden the definition of family. I have no family in Birmingham, Alabama. So my church truly is our functional family. Um, and we have people that come join us in our home. It's like, if you're under, we need other people under our roof speaking into our children's lives. So please come in our mess of a house and do that with us. Um, so where can you broaden the definition of family? Where can we need to broaden the definition of family for single parents? We need to broaden the definition of family uh, for families of where there's only one believer, adult believer in the house. So help think outside, help your church even think outside of the context of, you know, the model little family that looks, you know, picture perfect. Um, so ask your children um, and grandchildren and children in your classrooms, hey, who's opened your eyes to truth? Who's pointed you to truth? And then thank those people, <laughs> whoever they say, and then just keep inviting them and just be like, I, I, my daughter, um, I'm probably running out of time. I am. It's a break. Um, but I will tell this story. I mean, she has a heart for so much and um, wants to save. She, she's like my justice warrior, and she wants to give to all the homeless people in Birmingham. And I'm the cynic um, <laughs> who's like, mm, baby doll. Like, anyways, there's other ways. La, la, la. Let me tell you. So we invited my friend Elizabeth over, and I was like, Elizabeth, I need help with this. She's a single single woman in our church because I was like I'm the cynic and I but I need to honor her desire here um and so I was like I'm gonna go to Walmart and buy a bunch of stuff will you come over and help us pack these bags that we can give out to people and will you take half of them so that I don't have to do them all and she was like yes yes I will so I mean you know just look for ways to bring other people in